reading from verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Now, the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well, was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. 
They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labours. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Well, over the last few weeks we've been getting ready for uh, the big welcome, used to be called uh, Back to Church. And of course, um, the idea is that we uh, invite people uh, to join us for worship. And there are uh, still one or two invitations, if you want, on the table. There's invitations, there's prayer cards, which I would encourage you to take and write down the names of the people that you are inviting. And over the last few Sunday mornings... Uh, we've been trying to prepare ourselves for this uh, by looking at situations in the Gospels uh, where people came to faith in Jesus. We began with, the, uh, with that passage at the beginning of John's Gospel uh, where Jesus called the disciples and we call that currency evangelism because the disciples, having heard about Jesus, went to their friends and said, come and see what we've found which is, of course, what we're encouraging you to do uh, this week, to invite your friends to come and see what it is that you have found. And then last week we were looking at that great story in Mark's Gospel um, about the four friends that brought their friend who was lame to Jesus. And we call that through the roof evangelism. And we looked at the extents that the four friends went to to get their friend to Jesus. And again, we reminded ourselves that, you know, we have to work. We have to be prepared to go through the roof to bring our friends to Jesus. And uh, we saw that. And this week, uh, we're looking at another encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well. And uh, we're looking at the fact um, that Jesus meets people where they are. And so... Let's get into this passage. One day uh, there was uh, a family driving home from church and a little girl turned to her mother and she said to her mother, uh, Mum, there's, there's something that the preachers said this morning that I didn't quite understand. The mother said, well, what's that? The girl replied, well, he said that God is bigger than we are. He said God is so big that he could hold the whole world in his hands. Is that true? The mother replied, yes, of course it's true. But mummy, she said, uh, he also said that God comes and lives inside us when we believe in Jesus as saviour. Is that true? And again the mum said, yeah, of course it's true. With a puzzled look on her face, the little girl then asked, if God is bigger than us and he lives in us, wouldn't he show through? Wouldn't he show through? Well, that's what we want to happen 
as, uh, as we go about, isn't it? We want God to show through. We want to show people um, that God is in our lives. We want people to see it. And uh, to help us to do that, we're going to look at this story uh, in John's Gospel. And we'll see how, about, how Jesus went about uh, interacting with people um, that didn't believe. And uh, the first thing that I want you to notice is that uh, uh, Jesus talked to people where they were. Talk to people where you are. Talk to people where you are. It's an obvious thing, but uh, Jesus went out and spoke to people. Somebody said that, uh, you know, uh, we're called to be fishers of men, and fishing in your bathtub might be convenient, but it won't be highly effective. It won't be highly effective. Jesus... Um, I'm told, had 132 contacts with people in the Gospels. Check it out this week if you don't believe me. 132 contacts with people in the Gospels. Six were in the temple. Four were in the synagogues. All the others were outside situations. Jesus went out and he spoke to people where they are. Talk to people where you are. You see... Sometimes we imagine it's the minister that's going to bring people to faith, but you, this week, will be talking to all sorts of people that I will never meet unless you invite them to church. Each week, you interact with different people. Talk to people where you are. So we came to a town in Samaria called Saishai. Jesus uh, was on the move. He was on his way to Galilee. And he had to go through Samaria. This wasn't a, a planned uh, situation. It wasn't a planned mission. He was just on, his, on a journey on the way to somewhere. And he meets somebody on that journey. And he engages with that woman where he is. Where he is. It's what I call um, where you are evangelism. Where you are, evangelism. Very often we think of evangelists as, as people who, who go out and, 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 and hold big missions and people come and, and see them. Or, or sometimes we have special events like we are next Sunday uh, where we want to invite people in. But really, the most opportunities that we're going to get to to speak to people about the gospel is where you are. Where you are. Where you are is where you interact with people. And what I want you to think about now is is where you're going to be this week and the people that you're going to come across and the conversations that you might have and the opportunities that you might have to invite people back to church for our big welcome. Evangelism. Where you are, evangelism. Jesus, uh, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Uh, had been walking for a while, the disciples had gone off to find some food, and Jesus was just resting by the well when this woman comes out in the middle of the day to draw water. It was a chance encounter. It wasn't, it wasn't that this was a planned mission that, uh, that Jesus had thought, if we go here, we might meet some people. It was just an everyday situation. Jesus was tired and he sits down by the well. Uh, it was an interruption. And sometimes we have to see interruptions as opportunities. Interruptions. 
I can imagine that Jesus was probably tired, he'd been speaking and ministering to people, and he was glad of a, a bit of a rest. And the sight of this woman, he, he might have thought, oh no, somebody else coming. Uh, so often people turn up at the most, have you noticed, they turn up at the most inconvenience of times. And uh, it's easy, isn't it, sometimes just to want to get rid of people or not to engage with people. But Jesus sees this in- interruption as an opportunity. As an opportunity to share with her. And this week you will get opportunities. You will get interruptions. There'll be people that come across your path that maybe uh, it'll be a one-off meeting. You might not meet them again. And there's just a chance to say something to them. Just a chance to share something of your spiritual journey with them. Talk to people where you are. Talk to people where you are. It's so obvious. But that's what Jesus did. And you see, disciples of Jesus are people that do what Jesus did. And in the Gospels we have the example here of how Jesus engaged with people, how he spoke to people, how he brought people to faith. And if we want to bring people to faith, we need to look at Jesus and see what he did. And here we see that he engages with this woman uh, where he is on a journey. Evangelism as a lifestyle rather than as a planned opportunity. And so we talk to people where you are, but we've also got to talk to people where they are. Where they are. And by that I don't just mean physically where they are. This woman was at the well drawing some water. But you've got to take into account where people are in their lives. Notice that, uh, that Jesus engages with the woman. She asks him, uh, he asks her rather, can I have a drink? Uh, can you get me a drink? And uh, this woman is surprised and she says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. And uh, John tells us, just in case uh, we didn't know, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. Uh, We're all familiar with the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And of course the surprise and the shock in that parable was that it was the Samaritan that helped because the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies. So there's several things about this encounter where Jesus crosses cultural barriers. The fact that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan, the woman points out this. That there's a barrier there between them. Also the fact that she was a woman and uh, a Jewish teacher uh, wasn't supposed to associate with women. So here Jesus is breaking through cultural barriers. And you know friends, you and I, if we want to engage with people about Jesus, there's lots of cultural barriers that we've got to cross. We can't just jump in there and say, you know, are you saved? Uh, Because people won't have a clue what we're talking about. We've got to cross these cultural barriers. There's barriers that are in the way that actually prevent us communicating the Gospels. And we've got to find ways in which we can engage with people in a way that they will understand. And not only understand it, in a way that they will actually want to know. And we do that by taking into consideration where they are. Jesus listens to the woman. So often, you know, we're so keen and we jump in and uh, we talk to people. But we need to take time to listen because if we want to find out where people are, we have to listen to them. I'm sure you've been in conversations where it's been what we call a one-way conversation. 
and someone's kind of talked at you. Uh, a little bit like the way I'm talking at you now, but it's okay because we're in a, a situation where that's acceptable. But when you're having a conversation, the idea is that you speak and then the other person speaks and, and you speak and you listen and it, there's an interaction. But sometimes we, we, we can get so kind of wound up about wanting to share something that we forget that this person is might be at a place where they actually do need to hear the gospel, but we need to hear their story first. And we need to listen to people to find out where they are so that we can speak into their situation words from the gospel. And this is what Jesus does. Um, he is by a well, the, the woman's getting some water, and so he engages her with a conversation about water. It's not rocket science. Uh, you know, it's the sort of thing we do. Uh, you know, you stood at the bus stop, and uh, there's a shower, a huge shower, and you talk, turn to the person next to them, and you have a conversation about the weather. It's a quite a natural conversation that we have. And uh, this is what Jesus does. Uh, speaking to people where they are, he engages with the woman about the water. <clears throat> because that's what the woman's interested in. This is where the woman is. She's by a well. I wonder what was going through the woman's mind when, uh, when she met Jesus. There was a shock that he actually, he actually stopped and spoke to her. Let's just hear something from the woman. We've got a little video clip uh, where somebody tells her story. Let's just watch that for a moment. And they all need this truth, we all do, we need it for our own. 
Finding out just where people are is really important and uh, that little video just gives us a little uh, insight into maybe, you know, how the woman was feeling about herself. The fact that she comes uh, the middle of the day, at the heat of the day, uh, when nobody else was around, uh, speaks volumes about how the woman felt about herself, that she didn't want to meet other people, that she was ashamed, and that she felt that if she went at that time of day, there was a good chance that there'd be nobody there, and she finds Jesus, this teacher, this rabbi, who engages and talks to her, and shows an interest in who she is, and talks to her about this water, and she doesn't quite get it, because Jesus says to her, he starts to speak about... Uh, about water, and he says that, you know, if, if, you, if, if everyone who drinks this water will be thirst again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman's interested in that. And she says, sir, give me this water <clears throat> so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's not fully understood what Jesus is talking about. Uh, but it's just like this, this idea that Jesus can offer us something uh, <clears throat> that she hasn't got, that intrigues her. And then, of course, uh, Jesus says to her, you know, go home and get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus tells her a life story and says, that's right. Uh, you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now live with is not your husband. What you've just said is, is true. And you notice that Jesus doesn't condemn the woman. Uh, Jesus doesn't judge the woman. Um, but in, in, in a sense, Jesus compliments the woman and says, you know, what, what you've said is true. And uh, so often, you know, people that have all sorts of baggage, one of the reasons why they might not want, want to come into church is that fear that they're going to be judged, that they're not going to be accepted, that they're not going to be welcomed. And the truth is, you know, when the disciples get back, they're surprised that Jesus is talking to a woman. It was culturally uh, not acceptable, uh, but they don't say anything. Uh, but so often, you know, uh, one of the things that shocks people in the gospel, that shocks the Jewish teachers, law and Pharisees, was the people that Jesus talked with. And the truth is, you know, Jesus accepts people, accepted people, that the religious people wouldn't accept. And Jesus accepted people that maybe <coughs> you and I wouldn't accept. And we need to hear that. And we need to be challenged by it. That this woman was one of those people who was an outcast and a sinner... And Jesus engages with her and talks with her and finds out where exactly where, where she is and who she is. Well, he knows it anyway. And he lets her know that he knows. But he still makes this offer of the living water to her. This is the Jesus that we need to get out there, you know, rather than this idea that people have of a God that's just waiting for them to slip up and judge them and condemn them. This wasn't what Jesus was like, and it isn't the portrait of God that Jesus put across. Talk to people where they are. In this little cartoon we see, I don't see myself as unsaved, but rather as eternally challenged. You know, we need to understand how people see themselves. 
We need to see them as they see themselves rather than being judgmental about where people are. So Jesus, he talks to people where they are, finds out where they are and he engages with people where they are and he lets them know that where they are is okay. That where they are is okay. That it isn't going to prevent them moving forward. And then talk to people about where God is. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. She's um, overwhelmed by the fact that Jesus has just told her a life story. But then she turns, notice she turns the conversation around to worship. Do you know, it's just in a sense that, you know, Jesus is allowing this woman to lead the conversation. He's not forcing things on her. He's allowing this woman to lead the conversation. And she says, brings up this old age question about where people should worship. You Samaritans, so she says that uh, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And it's this question about where they should worship, which was an age-old question. And again, it shows that that she feels um, as if she's out of it. That there's there's a sense in which there's a judgment on the Jews, on on the Samaritans, about they they, they didn't do things quite correctly. And it's interesting, isn't it, that this, this quarrel about worship... Uh, we see it back in, in Jesus' time, and we still find it in, in today's church, don't we? That people, uh, you know, might not like the new version of this little light of mine. And we could have a conversation or an argument about, you know, the sort of worship that we would like to see in the church. And uh, sadly, so often in churches, people still fall out about worship. And we need to hear what Jesus says to the woman. Because... Uh, you know, the idea is that maybe that the way we worship or the way we are, that we're not actually welcoming people. You know, sometimes this is the idea that people have got. And she obviously felt that, that, that in this argument about worship, that they were seen as second class citizens because they didn't worship in Jerusalem, that they worshipped somewhere else. And you know, we've got to recognise that people are at different places. And we've got to make sure that we offer that welcome. And when we get visitors next week, we've got to go out of our way to make them welcome. We really have got to make sure that they know that they're welcomed and accepted by God. Talk to people about where God is. Talk to people about where God is. Jesus says, a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. In other words, it doesn't matter where you worship. And we might say, it doesn't matter what you sing or how you sing it. Or whether you you jump up and down and and raise your arms or whether you sit quietly. What actually matters is the spirit and the truth about your worship. About the fact that you're offering yourselves to God. That we're coming before God honestly about who we are. We don't have to pretend. So often we feel that we have to pretend when we come to church. And Jesus says... True worshippers worship in spirit and truth. So if you're feeling joyful and happy, then let it show. But if you're feeling sad and miserable, then don't be afraid to let that show as well because we worship God in truth and in spirit and we offer to God who we are and where we are. 
And so we need to talk to people about where God is. And you notice that they're outside of any religious setting and God is there. And we need to recognise, you know, that we don't have a monopoly on God in the church. This isn't the only place that Jesus can be found. That's why we need to talk to people uh, where we are. We need to talk to people where they are. And we need to talk to people about God and about worship. And we need to correct misunderstandings that people have. The ideas that people have picked up, that maybe they're not going to be made to feel very welcome. And you notice that as this conversation goes on about worship, that this woman, um, <clears throat> that she goes through these different phases. First of all, she just sees Jesus as a teacher, and then she sees Jesus as a prophet. And then she says, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. This is really interesting because Jesus exposes who he is, the Messiah, to this Samaritan woman. Not to Jewish teachers, not to Jewish people, but to a Samaritan woman, an outsider. He says, I am the Messiah. And what does the woman do? Well, leaving her jar of water, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? We're back where we started. Come and see. She discovers Jesus. And the immediate reaction is to go back to the people and to say, come and see what I have found. That's where we started in this little mini-series. The idea that we go back out to people and say, come and see. And what was the result? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Because of the woman's testimony, many people came to believe in Jesus. He told me everything I ever did. And they said to the woman, the people, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we have heard for ourselves and now we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Let's go out and let's invite people to come and see. Wherever you are this week, take that opportunity to invite people to come and see what you have found. Let's pray.